Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three. Good eight. Is this thing even on? Yes. yes, it is. The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. My name is Luke, I'm at the table with Ben, Dave and Matt. Good evening guys. Good evening. Good evening. How welcome to the 7.30 report. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we going to call this Matt if the other Matt's the good looking Matt? <laughs> there is an obvious answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just rude and I feel offended. So, uh... did, you, did you actually listen to that episode? Of course I didn't, otherwise I would have messaged. <laughs> ah. Like literally, when, when De Rossi was at the table, I introduced him and I said, and this is Matt. And I said, well, actually, it, not the Matt that is normally here. And he's like, yes, that's right. This is the good looking Matt. Like that was how he introduced Self-proclaimed. himself. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> yeah. That's right, mate. Well, we know you're sexy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all right. I don't need to be told to know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. <laughs> How have you guys been anyway? What's news? Do you mean since the last time we recorded five minutes ago? Or? We didn't have this discussion for that particular <laughs> recording. Shh, you're giving away our secrets. <laughs> Dude, it's no secret if you're on two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have we been doing? Mm. Just the normal what? stuff for me. I know we were just having a discussion about how we didn't want to drag out the icebreaker, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this isn't an icebreaker, is it? <laughs> well, no, no, it's all good. I'm just teasing. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary for me. Anybody else? <laughs> nothing to report? <laughs> Not really. No, no, no. I think that's kind of it. Let's just go right. And the one, wonderful segue into a now a very risky subject. Yeah. yeah. So, the topic that we're going to be dealing with is one that's been a long time in waiting. I just th- thought of what's been going on. Sorry. I'm going to interrupt <laughs> okay. you there. Stop. Stop. Shout out to Ezzy and Viv. Oh, yes. Ezzy and Viv got married on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, that was awesome. Lovely it day. Was. Perfect. Rained immediately after the ceremony. I know. So, which was a, an answer to prayer. It was great. Um, yeah, no, it was great. And, you know, obviously, we love you guys. I'm not sure either of you listen to the podcast, but we love you anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, just to go back to what I was saying before, this topic has been a long time in the making. I was having a look, I think it was about September last year, uh, that Matt and I were having a chat about this, and Matt said, this is a good topic for for the podcast. And we said yes, and then it went on the list, and then it kind of just slipped down in uh, priority. So, it's now come to to the top, and we are talking about it tonight. So, it's called Sexually Bulimic Christianity. How did that slip down the priority, Luke? Do you want to explain that? <laughs> well, because Matt came up with the idea and he had so many good ideas associated with this topic, wanted him to be here. and then... So, really, it didn't slip down the priority. We just wanted Matty to be here. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is more accurate. The so. problem is, is all these good ideas that I feel he's attributed to me have been long lost <laughs> to, to the annals of, you know, yes, to history. my mind. <laughs> so. That's okay. You know, that's a positive. That means when we come to the discussion, you're actually coming with a truly fresh, fresh perspective. Yeah. <laughs> you're not trying to regurgitate something you've had before. This is this is fresh bread you're coming up with. But he just says it's always fresh bread from he, Matty. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants fresh anger, mate. Fresh, frust- fresh frustration. Yeah, say that fast. Yeah, I know, right. Yeah. So, 
out of all of the episodes that we've ever done, the episode that was easily the most popular, had the most downloads, was the episode that we did on pornography. And so I don't think it's any that shouldn't surprise anybody because if you talk about sex, all of a sudden everybody's interested. So the question that I then have... Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Thank you. So the interesting thing then becomes... As we come to this particular topic, I guess I want to ask the question first of why don't we talk about it? If everybody wants to hear about it, why don't we talk about sexuality very often, especially in a church setting? Because it is far too taboo. We have a image that because of the... I, I think it might even stem possibly from the, um, the shame of our naked, nakedness, you know, Garden of Eden style, mm-hmm. that... You know, any kind of this intimacy is this, you know, uh, very very secret Mm. affair that happens. Um, And so, passing any knowledge, speaking about something like that um, is, you know, something that is just not done in polite society. Now, of course, this isn't meant to be confused with, of course... Uh, like people talking smart and, you know... That's a different thing um, altogether. Yeah, we're talking about just healthy... Healthy relational talks about, you know, the, the birds and the bees and the emotions that are all associate, associated with it and especially passing this on to people who probably need to know it um, before they start developing un... Uh, what, what's probably the, the best word for it? Unhealthy? Unhealthy, yeah, uh, attachments around sex uh, that go into maybe porn addiction, like probably all of us can relate to is probably you know why we developed porn addictions is because we um, didn't have you know healthy or a complete knowledge of sex and the emotional ties to it and how God created it and why it created it and everything that was to be tied with that and so I think yeah that 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 probably that's where it's all coming from originally is this idea that um, it's not a polite topic Hmm. to talk about because we don't know how to talk about it in the correct to- uh, context, maybe so the, the way that people would say without it becoming smut. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in society, it's typically not spoken of in a sensible fashion. We t- tend to joke about it or flirt around the edges of it or something like that, mm. not hit it head on. Mm. Um, and I think there might be a little bit of a trend of correcting that in mm. recent years in mm. sort of your more traditional society, not necessarily church society because those yeah. two things happen mm. at different paces. Um, but um, yeah, like kind of in the same way that mental health has become more acceptable to talk about in recent times, I think sexuality is becoming more acceptable to talk about. That's probably maybe what we're talking about is is the sexuality, like the emotions and everything behind it, because that's what causes the the bulimia or the addictions, rather than like the the sex education per se. Yeah, you know, it, it's not the physical yeah. sex education is is understanding a biological of understanding, right? Yeah, that's right. We're, yeah. we're not talking so much about that. That's not what we're saying is more like the root cause. It's the emotional understanding right. of it. It's the good word. Um, emotional it, understanding. Yeah, hmm. it, it's it's what's associated with the physical act, not just hmm. the physical act itself. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think the medieval church also had a very negative. Um, impact upon society and the church as a whole as well when it comes to the acceptance of sexuality as well. Mm. I mean, basically, its attitude was that you're only allowed to have sex for procreation. Apart from that, you're all asexual beings. And and let's not forget, you know, with the repression of women as well, Mm. um, you know, with with women's equality 
you know, only really in, in the scope of everything and probably even still being a, a fairly, you know, new kind of term. Like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that there was no such thing that a wife couldn't charge the husband with rape, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that like... 1970s here in Australia, it became illegal? It's 1970s. Hmm. But, you know, like, even still, like... It's crazy. There's... There's a lot of like cultural stigma around the idea that you know it's just something that's not talked about because it's not you know always a. But I think comfortable. An, I think there's something else thing to talk about. Yeah, I think there's something else that's running here too, and and that is, we are often worried about speaking about it in a, a more public setting because we are worried about the effect that it will have on younger people uh, or, you know, people that perhaps aren't married yet or whatever we're worried about there. But In a church setting, yeah, probably, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that's what I'm, I'm meaning, like in, yeah, it's more of a church setting. But we yep. do have that concern. And while I think that is valid to a degree, I actually think that's a part of the problem. Mm. Absolutely. Be- because the if it was an age where information about sex was not available in other places, that would be a completely fine reason. The 1910s. Yeah, exactly. But because it is so easy, you know, pornography is so easily accessible, all their friends are talking about it and probably participating in it at a very early age compared to what it would have been back then. If you don't think your Christian kids are doing it, then I'm sorry, maybe there's a reality check there too, let's be honest. But Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to be participating in, at some degree, you know, be it, um, you know, they're, they're curious and so they're Googling for something or they're, you know, their friends are t- telling them about their experiences or whatever, right? It, you don't really have to go back to our episode. And I think we talked about at our early ages what we when we were first exposed to it. So, yeah, yeah. From, from that point, from, from the exposure to... And we all came from pretty conservative backgrounds, for like for the most part, like maybe not in every circumstance, but you know, uh, plus absolutely. it was quite a while ago when we were that age. Yeah, for it, some of us more than others. But, <laughs> 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 but it has only gotten younger as the years have progressed That's right. as well. Yeah, and so the point that I was driving at is that if we're worried about uh, contaminating young minds, they're already well contaminated. And what we're actually doing is a disservice to the gospel, to the gospel and the sexual health of our young people by not talking about it because yep. they're just going to go and get that information and have already gone and got that information from somewhere else. If we were talking about it in a more positive way, they may not have needed those other sources. Okay, so that's, we, a, that's an overgeneralization. Rant over. Yeah. Well, we, yes. so I, we started, I just want to make that clear. It is a generalization. It's an overgeneralization. It's a very good one. Yeah, um, but. There may be some situations where you do need to be sensitive. Yes. But yeah, just in general, yeah. what we're saying is I'm what talking, Luke just I'm said. talking about the blanket approach. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm, obviously, I'm not speaking about that in, in right. small Right, but life's not black and white, so I just want to clarify that. Yeah, absolutely. I think every episode <laughs> we ever release... This is over. I don't know this. What are you looking at me like that for, Wilsey? Well, Luke's been acting like me, coming in not prepared... <laughs> And Dave's doing disclaimers <laughs> like Luke. <laughs> <laughs> See, Matt, you disappear for, for a while and... The roles have shifted. I don't, I don't know what I'm meant to be now. I'm probably meant to sound educated like Ben to finish this <laughs> off. <laughs> well, well, I just don't know how that's going to fly. <laughs> I just felt like that that's important because... Um, it is. It as is. with you, I deal with young people mm-hmm. all the time at church. And there are some young people that I deal with who I need to be careful what I say around mm. because mm. their parents um, are trying to raise them in a certain way mm. that I think is good and healthy and fine. Mm. Um, but it's not necessarily what the general, you yes. know, rule that you were talking about 
uh, it's it does that doesn't apply to them. Mm. And so you've there got to you've got to be conscious of it sometimes. Yes, yeah, there is small percentage that's, for sure. That's why I thought it was important. No, that's to fair. That's fair. Fair so enough. Let's, fair enough. So, so let's bring it back. So yes. we, we've had these these broad overtones, but we're talking about sexual bulimia. So yes, what's more the term for that? Okay, so I would have tried to explain this, but the article that, that we were discussing originally, I think, explains it better than I ever could. So I'm going to read two paragraphs out, straight out of that article, which will hopefully set the scene for the remainder of our conversation. So yep. uh, just letting you guys know, this is written by uh, Jay Stringer. As a men- and he is, he, as he just declares now, he's a mental health therapist. So, as a mental health therapist with over a decade of experience and a researcher of over 2,000 men struggling with compulsive sexual behavior, this latest scandal, he's speaking about the Ravi Zacharias scandal that, that came out late last year. So, a bit out of date, but still seems yes. to be evergreen because more and more people seem to be getting caught out with these things. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, this latest scandal provides us with yet another front row seat to the bulimic sexuality structure characteristic of many faith leaders and their followers. Bulimia occurs when someone indulges in a particular substance or behavior only to purge it out through excessive exercising or vomiting. Sexual bulimia then is an agonizing struggle where someone engulfs themselves in a particular sexual behavior and then does everything they can to purge themselves from that sin in the shame of what they have indulged in. An example of sexual bulimia might be a pastor who is dealing with a number of crises in his in his church during the week who has fallen behind in preparing for his sermon and then stays up late binging on pornography on Saturday night. He wakes up on Sunday morning praying for God's mercy to be new in the morning and pleads with the Spirit to help him get through the services. Then his sermon might go one of three ways. One, he'll never talk about the unwanted sexual behaviors for fear he might indict himself. This would be denial. He will preach about the ugliness of sin, the horrors of sexual immorality, and begin to scapegoat others for their sexual behavior. Projection. Or three, he will begin to preach passionately, maybe even cry, about the goodness of the gospel for sinners. This is the gospel purge. As you can see, his binge on pornography, or an affair, or buying sex, or sexting, or whatever it may be in his case, sets him up to need to purge out his behavior through his prayer, avoidance, or preaching. While I have no problem with a leader finding passion and tears about the goodness of God, it is unhealthy when he does not see how his purge is connected with the binge from the night, week, or month before. There's, there is a lot to chew on in that, so I'll just throw that to you guys. Anything specific that you want to speak to in that? So pretty much we're talking about now, just trying to round up the two paragraphs into a sentence, mm-hmm. is when we engage in some sort of sexual activity that we know was not designed for us by God, mm-hmm. um, and then feel that guilt and try to purge it, purge it from our system yeah. in, in one way or another, mm-hmm. whether it's through prayer, fasting, denial... Mm-hmm. Projection, whatever it might be. Yep. Hmm. And I can, I can definitely like as I was, as I was reading that. You know, there are certain times in in my experience where th- that is very, very relatable. Yeah. You know, well, that- I feel like all of us having struggled through a pornography addiction, yeah, have probably uh, all been sexually bulimic in that way. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That way, we've, you know, succumbed to to our addiction. Mm-hmm. Then felt, you know, possibly even to the point of sick with guilt, mm-hmm. and you know, then try to dig your way out through try. works or that's whatever right, it may you be. know. Yeah. Um, but it's probably the the, the key thing is, is in that last bit where um, they're saying that that 
when they are not recognizing mm. how that purge, like that, that only that time of seeking out God is effectively only tied to the addiction to the, to the, the sexual indulgence, mm. you know? And so then they start forming an un- unhealthy um, bridgeway of, you know, whenever they need to seek out God, they tie a bridgeway through, like, for for an example, through pornography. So they end up digging themselves, instead of reaching for God, digging themselves deeper into the hole because they know that they find God on the other side. Mm. That's a really interesting observation. Yeah. Well, no, it's just a, it's just the pathway. Yeah. Because you want the end result, and so you're going to keep taking the journey, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know the journey just goes how through that. Works. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not meant to make sense. No. But that's just the mind the the mind pathways, mm-hmm. which we talked about. You know. Um, needing to break that in our pornography episode. Yeah, mm. yeah. You notice one of the options was talk truthfully about what you're struggling with, help your congregation to get your help yourself. Mm. Because that's the thing, that's that's one of the problems with our congregation. If you're too truthful about what you're actually going through, mm-hmm. they'll kick you out of leadership um, before um, you blink your eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, Sorry. Yeah. I think that's half of why sexual bulimia is such an issue in our churches um even amongst like church members unwilling to admit it and seek help Mm -hmm. because of the public backlash that they would face you know if 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 your pastor came to the pulpit on saturday sunday and you know admitted from the front that they were looking to form some sort of help recovery group because they themselves were going through a pornography addiction mm-hmm. and it was unhealthy and they are looking to to form a support group for those how long like do you think how many seconds before the rumors and, the, and all the talking starts oh yeah you, you would not be able to finish that sermon and mm. and, and that, that that is you know you, you it, it's indicative of the human condition yeah you know but this is this is shame right and i think this is one of the reasons why it is so difficult to treat these issues and that is the shame that is associated <coughs> to it is virtually all-encompassing. Like, you know, if you if you are to admit to it, especially if you have some sort of leadership, then, you know, that you, all trust disappears at that point because your congregation is going to feel like you've lied to them or de- deceived them in some way. And, I mean, we're talking about pornography because I guess we have more, um, you know, uh, we can relate to it better. But um, the example with Ravi, you know, he was, uh, you know, grooming, uh, you know, a woman that was 30 years younger than him, you know. In his church, a married woman, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, there are a lot of, that's why it says it's more general in its terminology, right? Unwanted sexual behaviors. There are a load of things that, that can fill that gap or fill that, that desire in people's hearts that is that, that lust that happens. But the thing is, because we ho- it's in the dark all the time, because of the shame, we keep it in the dark, then they never actually go looking for a solution. You know, I, mm. I wish, like for me, I would feel a lot better about my pastor or whatever if he was honest. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people who probably are in category one who might struggle with it themselves, but they deal with that by projection, right? You know, they, they call out other people who are struggling with it as being the evil ones. There's enough people like that in any congregation to get but most the, pastors fired, and unfortunately. There's, there's also the, the people in churches who expect their pastors to be perfect. perfect yeah. You know, and so there's no allowance for, you know, leaders to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm. which, you know, only compounds on the issue for for leaders, especially, um, in unable to break these bonds because they're not able to 
obviously come to a front. The, the key to breaking an addiction is making it public. Yeah. You know, if you're breaking that alcohol addiction, it's, it's confessing, I have that problem. Mm-hmm. It's making that accountability and then being able to follow up in a support group mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Same with quitting smoking, you know, you make it public and I, I'm quitting this mm-hmm. and I'm making that public because then there is accountability. Yeah. You know, but again, because of the, the shame associated with, you know, these kind of things, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that certainly, you know, doesn't seem to be an option to, to yeah. us spiritual leaders. How isolating it must be for um, pastors in particular, but leaders overall, because of that expectation to be perfect all the time, the, the littlest thing um, that, you know, we're all human, we all have our problems, and all of a sudden you're, um, you're not living up to the expectations of everyone, and they instead of helping um, the leaders, they just put the boot in. Yeah, absolutely. Just criticize if them you were instead. To hear, yeah. and, I mean, regardless of being a leader or a church member or whatever, if someone came to you honestly and said, oh man, I, I've just struggled. I've got this anger problem. You know, just the smallest thing sets me off and all of a sudden, you know, I just find myself losing my temper. You know, we, how, how do you feel towards that person? Do you feel like that person, you know, should be ashamed of themselves and that they're a poor excuse for Christianity? Do you, do you go and condemn that person immediately? No. no, because, no. you know, they've got a temper problem. Okay, you know, we all, you know, have something. And, you know, why don't we treat these sort of issues in the same way? We should. Like, there's no there's no qualitative difference between them. That It's still a sin. It's still something that negatively affects the individual you're talking to, plus the people that are around them. So, really speaking, there shouldn't be any significant difference in how we relate to it. But it, it is because of the stigma that's attached to it. Yeah. So... What what effects we've talked about some of the effects, but you know, are there any like more far-reaching effects than this? Like our culture has drunk so deeply of this, you know, let's call it shame culture, and therefore there's this unnamed problem that is being dealt with virtually nowhere. Like what are what are we risking here? What are some of the effects that we're going to see corporately or perhaps long term that we haven't talked about as yet? Well, we're talking about, um, so potentially pornography addictions in men, potentially worse. We're actually seeing that in women now. Mm-hmm. We're talking about sexual shame as well. The combination of that leads to quite an unhealthy um, interpersonal relationship, particularly um, once you get to the um, point of marriage and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, It'll create quite a lot of struggles for a lot of new um a lot of couples and couples are unrealistic the, expectations and things like that yep and or um, even the pressure to perform it creates stress in the relationship and um, married couples are the cornerstone of our churches and our society and if you cause any problems there it then becomes problems in our society in our mm-hmm. churches it has a ripple on effect um, even unto um, it causes stress and therefore problems for children later on as well mm-hmm. I think also it, it fosters a like a a dark corner mm-hmm. for other things to develop in our churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so f- perhaps for affairs to take place or True. or sexting or things or, or these kind of mm-hmm. you know because issues we're not addressing that, the wounds that people have that right? you know like say Ravi was in, um, you know caught to be doing um, because ultimately we're we're not addressing like you said the initial wound and so there's this like. You know, for, for those who are struggling with those addictions, they end up forming their own little area and they end up, unfortunately, meeting each other and start feeding off each other's addiction. 
Yeah, because do you do you think that he would have gotten to that point had he gotten help years earlier? Well, if if there was a culture of open openness and transparency, and you know the woman he was grooming was able to know that there was support available for her, mm. um, that he knew that there was support available for him when he was feeling certain ways, mm-hmm. um, perhaps this never would have happened. Mm. Um, but if it if it had still happened, perhaps with the the open openness and transparency. There would have been opportunities for for this to have come clean and been, you know, resolved in in a much better way than what it's done, which is effectively, you know, negated all the good work that he had done, um, because now his name has a big black mark next to it. Mm. I think one of the other things that uh, has affected, or at least you know, the long term effects that we will see and are seeing, is that there it, it develops a fear in men who are wanting to do the right thing, it develops a fear in relating to women at all, you know? And this is why I think we see it a lot in evangelical churches and um, we see it a lot in uh, more conservative branches of our own churches where uh, there is this recommendation, you know, ne- never never be alone with a woman, you know, never have a friend who is, you know, a, of the opposite sex to you. And while I understand these all come from a good place, you know, the desire is to um, maintain, like, have no opportunity to to sin, right? I understand that's the desire, but what the effect is, it it silos men and women, and it causes you to, you know, basically then women are this other creature that you never get to interact with. And if you already have, um, you know, sexual addiction issues or, or compulsive behaviors, then it's just going to make the desire for that worse. And it's just going but to it continue also happening in the dark. It, it, it starts objectifying, yeah. you know, the, the opposite sex. Because you're never going to see him as a human being if you never build a relationship with That's him. right. And, and so it, it kind of almost makes the effect worse because, you know, if you're not looking at that person as a, well, that, that person as a person, mm. as a friend, as someone you yeah. have a relationship with and you just view them as this you know, sexual object, um, then all your interactions, you know, with them are going to end up going towards that way. Yeah. Oh, it's, it opens the door for an obsession. Yeah. It does. Rather than a healthy relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, awesome. Yep. Not not the obsession. I yeah. mean, like, awesome point. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Just it's okay. understood. We got if it. we're clarifying things. <laughs> I think, I, think uh, I was trying to think of other things that we haven't already spoken about when you asked this question, Luke, and I, I feel like they're all co- connected, so I wasn't seeing anything. But um, I think one of the major influences is in the way that we see God hmm. um, yeah. and our relationship with Him and how that affects that. And, and basically what we're going to create if we continue on the trajectory that we're on is the penance system that was so abhorrent to the Protestant reformers hmm. in the Catholic system. Yeah. Right, and we, we're just going to recreate that with our own branding, right? Where, yeah. you know, your penance might be, you know, Sabbath morning, something rather mm-hmm. might be, um, preach that sermon, repentance, take, take or, that Bible study, or right? You yeah. know, where you feel like you have to make up for your failings by all of your good deeds, and that you're basically oh, trying right. to buy your salvation, just like the Catholics. Yeah, yeah, trying to do some sort of, yeah, per, like well, effectively, it's the purge thing. But yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. But like you said, through penance, and, and I agree with that one because that, that certainly seems to be more what what's indicative of this, especially in church culture is, you know, oh, I, I feel so disgusting. I've got this, you know, mm. this sin hanging on to me. I must do something. Instead of seeing God clearly, we try to make this bargain. And, yeah. and it, it does start to break 
the the vision of who God is mm-hmm. because then we start making this bargaining thing which doesn't help our relationship in coming to him mm-hmm. easier yeah. mm. because we start going well I haven't done something wrong so I don't need to make that bargain yet yeah, yeah. Mm. and so I'm going to continue until I feel this shame and guilt you know w- yeah. whether it's through we, that or through other behavior yeah, yeah we, mm. we make the, the God connection only through poor decisions yeah mm. and we're essentially trying to buy the Holy Spirit you know, by, by the spirit of God in our into our lives, yeah, um, to transform us. It could be like that guy in Acts. I don't remember his name. Who, yeah, he, he wanted to buy the spirit so he could do the wonderful Agab- things that the yeah. apostles were doing. Agabus was the other one. Jesus, uh, no. no, Agabus was the prophet, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I know who you mean. <coughs> yeah, <coughs> but yeah, <coughs> and I see that as something that can not only affect our own lives, but then if, as we as we corporately do that. We basically create another big, you know, colossal system, whereby that's the the new norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think we can already say we see that in our churches today. You know, whether it's at a small or extent or not, mm-hmm. probably depends on the individual church you belong to. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I can certainly see that in my own spiritual experience, and um, could see how that could could get that sort of snowball effect and become like the just acceptable almost you yeah. know it'd be acceptable to to sin as long as you make up for it yeah um even though we would never in a million years say that out loud or think that that's what's happening that is experientially exactly what happens but don't you think that's the power of of a culture like if yeah. if Cause enough normalizes people normalize that yeah i think we would get as far as saying it yeah yeah you're probably in right. fact i think some churches have done that mm. you know i'm not going to call any of them out yeah but i, I think that there are some churches out there today who do that very thing by some yeah. of the theology they teach. Yeah. I've, I've certainly, okay, yeah, cool. heard things about like, yeah, you, I've heard the words of, of spirit, like, you know, spiritual cleansing being used, mm-hmm. you know, in churches where they talk about, you know, the way to help cleanse yourself of your sins is to, to pray and fast, you know, for, for whatever period of time, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. And, you know, not, not saying anything against, Praying or fasting, or fasting. <laughs> yeah. but when you use it in that kind of thing, when you're treating yeah. it as this, um, get out of jail free card. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, oh, you've that done something up. wrong. Then yeah. you know, do that until you 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 feel your spirit reconnect with God, kind of thing. Like, it's which just is like trusting in feelings again, anyway. Like, yeah. it, it's kind yeah. of very much like a you know, well, oh, yeah, it, you're bargaining. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're yeah. okay. Well, I've done these sins, so hey, if I if I if I do 24 hours, does that does that atone me? Yeah. In, instead of understanding the, the power of salvation, you start trying to make an atonement deal. Like, hey, is this lamb I bring to the sacrificial altar, you know, payment enough? Yeah. Just thinking about this, like, imagine getting to the place where that was the theology you'd accepted. It's become normalized in your society. And then now you feel like it's okay for you to objectify women and to to have these unhealthy obsessions that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. like to feel like that is is nullified by your good deeds. Mm-hmm. Well, hello, King Saul, right? You know, yeah. King but, um, Saul. Imagine imagine that being your experience, though. Like, how far mm. gone are you at that point? That's hard to hard rock to return my from. Boat. Yeah, yeah, hard to return from. But yeah, King Saul is a good example, and you just got to read his story to see where he ended up. Yeah, he he eventually got to the place where what was normalized in the culture of the nations that were around and also what was expedient to his circumstances, he got to the place where he 
believed or you know he he was fully self-deceived is what i'm trying to get at he was fully self-deceived that going and making the sacrifice in the place of samuel was what god would have wanted him to do he had fully self-deceived himself to that point and then samuel arrives and says what do you think you're doing (laughs) you know and gives him that reality check that that's exactly i think what you're talking about dave that if we get ourselves so upside down that that looks normal that that culture looks normal then yeah yeah it takes something big to get out of the the rut you know so i've been thinking as we've been talking here the thing that just kept coming back to my mind is how did jesus treat women and because i mean i I think we obviously certainly didn't treat them like they were yucky yeah well and that's exactly what i'm the point that i'm running and you never treated them as an object either no yeah he treated them as people with value and and he treated them with love and care with equality to his disciples you know Yeah. yeah like they Mary travelled with them, right? Mary Magdalene yeah. may not have ever been called a disciple, yet she was first at his tomb after mm. he died. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the other woman who travelled with him? Travelled with him? Travelled with Mary Magdalene to the tomb. There were two women. Um, Ma- uh, Mary... It was the two Marys, right? It was... Um, Mary Magdalene and Mary from Bethany. I think you're referring to Mary, the mother of Jesus, aren't you? No. Yeah. Are we all he lost? Had, he had three Marys, mate. Must have been a popular name back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's beside the but point. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the point. The point that I'm getting at <laughs> is that he he was in solid and healthy relationships with women without them being intimate ones. Mm. And I think we need to learn how to do that effectively because when we can do that effectively, then we can actually have that healthy um, relationship. If we, as I was saying before, if we silo them off as well, I can't go anywhere near them because I don't want to. I don't want to get caught in this Me Too crossfire. You know, I don't want to be in the position where I accidentally, um, you know, sexually assault somebody. Whatever the reasoning but, that people come up with, but yeah. that's kind of the feel that you get from a lot of these proponents of purity culture, and that's going to be a topic for another day. But burn it. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> topic for another day, man. Another day. Um, but the. If we treat them that way, then we're essentially setting ourselves up for what we already have. Yeah. And what we have doesn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I do think it's one of these... Um, it's one of these cultural shifts we need to start enacting in our churches. Mm-hmm. How, look, it's not going to be pretty. No. You know, I, I think there needs to be a lot of love and grace yes. in a church to, to start breaking this down. Mm-hmm. But if it does the health of the church will improve because its members will be able to, you know, interact. I I don't know how many churches I've been to where I will see men feel uncomfortable talking to even one of their friend's wives Mm. for the fear of what it would look like. Yeah. You know, like that thought alone Mm -hmm. is, is, is scary because of, like you said, because of effectively we've, we've siloed them, you know, women into this, you know, sexual ob- object um, yep, silo. So, so it's dangerous to go near them. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and that even and, by and, talking to them, men I'm as go- animals. Yep. Yeah. On, on the same token. Yeah, like, that's we don't right. trust men because they're just animals. We, mm-hmm. we don't trust ourselves or, or whatever. Yeah. But, that, you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing that ends up coming up. And of course, you know, there's, there's so many circumstances of these activities happening. Mm. Um, especially with the, the rise of social media and mm. the ability for for secrets to just leak, yep. 
you know, to think like this has only been happening the last 20 years. You're kidding yourself. Rubbish. This has been happening since, you know, the days of old Israel. Just much easier to spot now. Well, that's right. Like, you know... Much easier to circulate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So We we never even met Ravi Zacharias and yet here we are discussing these kind of issues about him. 12 months after he (laughs) passed or however long he passed away now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a horrible kind of thing, unfortunately. But yeah. um, I, I think if we can, f- do you want you want the names? Sure, tell so me. We've got Mary, Mary, and Salome. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Jesus, and Salome. I don't know who she is. Mm. Anyway, oh, they're the go. three named. That so Mary from Bethany the wasn't there. Well, isn't Mary from Beth- Bethany Mary Magdalene? Yeah, she I'm she initially sure. she was yeah. initially Mary. F- I thought they were separate. Well, there are two schools of thought. Yeah, there are genuine. But yeah, I thought Mary Magdalene was from the 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 lady Magdalene. of <laughs> no 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 um, was was she the lady of um, you know wealth that we didn't want touching us the lady that of on wealth? anointed Jesus' feet yeah yeah and that with, yeah. with the hair and because yeah. you know questionable yeah. means of how she had obtained the money mm-hmm. oh that's what you mean by lady of wealth okay gotcha yeah 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 yeah. I, yeah. I I, I, I didn't know that they were both same person. Whatever. Well, cool. Speculation, but yeah. I think it's fairly clear if you follow the narrative. That's all. I just saw them. Anyway, this multiples. is such a tangent. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that doesn't matter. The, the, the reality is, is you know, even with you know Mary Magdalene, if she was a lady of the night or, or of some sort of questionable means, Jesus was able to have a very what seemed to be a healthy relationship yeah. with her, without you know even her like you know if that was her work, ever coming into the relationship at all mm-hmm. yeah you and know just we're talking about yeah you know, how how to relate i just was thinking about first timothy 5 uh, verse 1 says do not rebuke an older man but exhort him as a father younger men as brothers you know sure this this makes sense but this says older women as mothers younger women as sisters with all purity so far from Fleeing them, it's saying that we should treat them, treat all women like mothers and sisters. Yeah. So basically, all women are going to fall into one of three categories for a man. Obviously, we're talking about this from the man's perspective, right? <laughs> you're right, they're trying to be quiet. Man, yeah, appreciate it. It's that. like when you're up early in the morning trying not to bang the pots. All you can do is bang the pots. <laughs> oh, mate, that, that's me five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Every morning, getting up for work. Sneaking around, bang, bang, bang. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to be super quiet, and every door I open, screams. <laughs> just seems Bang. to squeak and you know everything I do makes an astronomical amount of noise mm-hmm. anyway sorry okay so all women like and obviously we're speaking from guys perspective so because that's that's us that's what we can speak to but mm-hmm. for us all women really should fall into three categories one hopefully is the woman that you're married to um, which is a, a unique relationship with the one woman that's right so you there are a whole bunch of unique things that are carried into that relationship that aren't to any of the others but all other relationships are going to fall into either being treating them as mothers if they're older women, treating them as sisters if they're if they're younger women or daughters if you have them, right? So that's the that's the uh, pattern that that the Bible gives us to relating to them. You are intensely concerned with your sisters or your mother's well-being, mm-hmm. with their um, you know where they're going in life with their what they need who they are that their value as individuals but you never like they never stray into um, into that's, intimate territory right that's right and and we're fine with that we never have a problem with that as a culture right we always see sisters and mothers in the right light but 
um, for some reason, we have trouble reading this scripture and then going and applying it to our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, from your perspective, what, just to start tying these ends together, for people who are wanting to protect themselves from being in the scenario, I think this is what we're talking about now is a good place to start. But for people who are already in an unhealthy place, what would you recommend to be the next step? What what would the roadmap look like for someone already struggling, which probably, realistically, the majority of our audience probably are or have? Find someone you trust or you think you can trust mm-hmm. and talk to them. Yeah. Get it out in the open. Mm-hmm. Um, get some accountability. Mm-hmm. If if you don't feel that the relationship's there yet and you don't have one of that character, build one up to that point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reflecting on a few years ago when we did men's group because yeah. um, that's how we got to the point where we could talk about this sort of thing was talking about other things, building trust, building mm-hmm. that brotherhood between us mm-hmm. so that we could talk literally about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And something else that I'll say is that we have... When you're looking for someone to share with, if you do feel like you don't necessarily have someone that you can or you feel like that trust level is there, look for someone that you consider to be reliable because I I don't know if I'm speaking for all you guys, but if anybody random came to me and said, hey, look, I just don't have anyone to, to talk to about something pretty serious. You know, can I talk to you? Would you be okay with that? Them talking to me? Yeah. 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 I'm, yeah. I'm not like, going to listen. It, it, obviously, it, you want to you want to know that that person is a safe person, and that can only happen over time. But once you're confident of the fact that that person is a safe person, it's probably going to be safe for you to talk to them if you don't feel you have someone. Is what yeah, I mean. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If they're a safe person, it doesn't have to be like someone you've known for twenty years. You. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. no, no, no. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have to. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't think I would certainly share with someone I'd met on a single day, hmm. um, but. You know, it'd I, be I a pretty we'll special talk. occurrence if you did. Yeah, know. I'm not yeah. saying you should necessarily do that, but what I'm meaning is, if you didn't feel like you had a mate that you could talk to, yeah. you don't necessarily have to then go and spend you know a year building up a friendship with someone. Then go, okay, now I got a mate. Now I can have that conversation. Like, look at the people around you who you do know. Pick somebody who you feel is. There's solid, also you know? also professionals like you know. Yeah, if you yeah, know, see, a, see a mental health professional about talk this because like it, it's it's mm-hmm. an addiction or or even just like yeah. a psychiatrist or, or something someone like that. A mental health therapist yeah. because this is an addiction. Yeah, you know this is a issue, just as much as physical bulimia. Mm-hmm. You know th- these kind of actions where you are binging and then getting purge. into a binge purge cycle yep. are just as disruptive for your mental pathways mm-hmm. as uh, uh, like like I said as, as physical bulimia or as any other addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know any other mental health professional, if you do not feel comfortable talking to your peers of twenty years. Mm then that's okay. Like, you know, you need to be comfortable. Otherwise, you are never coming out of this addiction. Yeah, but you need true. to have accountability with someone. Mm-hmm. And a, a, as much as Jesus is, is the ultimate, you know, power for us, mm-hmm. sometimes I, th- I feel that when people say, oh, I'm j- I only need to be accountable to Jesus, it's a bit of a scapegoat because they're not willing to address it. Yeah. They're not willing to, to talk, like, you know, to, mm-hmm. to face that problem head on mm-hmm. because they can... I can say, Luke, mate, look, I appreciate you wanting to be there for me and my problem, but I just need to be accountable to Jesus, man, and that's all cool. Mm. The, the, what I'm trying to say is I'm not going to talk to you about my problems because I don't feel like opening up that. Yeah. Or I, I don't want to hold myself accountable to someone 
mm. in in a physical sense. Yeah, which is which is probably key for for breaking addictions. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think. Um, I mean, this is a tangent, but just on what you were just saying, sometimes it can be a bit of a scapegoat. Um, but sometimes um, I think that that's just genuinely a, a, an unhealthy way of thinking that has been baked into people through their church experience. I know that Bad I've theology. been in churches where that's been taught, you know, that you shouldn't burden anybody else with your problems. You should be able to sort it out, you and God. And I think that that's an unhealthy way of thinking yeah. about... I hate it when I hear that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's th- thinking unha- about mental health, thinking about... I think it's an unhealthy way of doing church because then everyone's coming to church perfect. Well, yeah, yep. <laughs> that's what they think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but that, <laughs> no, that's the thing. Mean. Like, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about the, the issues yeah. that we're sharing, the struggle we're, we're on yeah. because, you know... Because everyone's supposed to already have it sorted here. That's yeah. right. Mm. And, and if I could just say, if that is your way of thinking and perceiving God... Um, then you need to have another read of the book of Matthew and read about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Because if Jesus, who didn't commit a sin while he was on earth, Mm. needed people around him when he was going through his biggest struggle, Mm. um, then who do you think you are to think you don't? And then got frustrated when they weren't there. When they were sleeping, that's why he was so upset, because he needed them. Yeah. You know, he needed them at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to get upset with people, like with your accountability partners, if they're if they're holding out on you too, you know. And it's perfectly okay to maybe try and find someone who you know won't hold out on you. Yeah, that, that's probably the the best thing to do. Yeah. But then even then, you know, sometimes they will fall asleep. Yeah. Well, look, you know, we're we only human. Accountability partners, as as much as you're going to be there, you know, there are times you're going to trip up and fall too. But you know, grace of God, hopefully we don't do it much. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, so yeah, I think accountability is the number one thing. Um, Luke, in answer to your question, Mm -hmm. that needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. But as well, I think, you know, let's try and start a culture um, where it is acceptable Mm -hmm. um, to talk about these things openly. Um, And if you you feel like you're in a position of confidence, you know, where you're not insecure about this anymore, Mm -hmm. um, maybe make a a bit of a, a stand for, you know, talking about it in a public environment Mm. kind of like what we have done here and we're a little bit sheltered by the fact that we don't see you guys in person we don't see you every week at church or anything like that so Mm. maybe maybe it's a little bit harder than what we do by talking about on a podcast but that's kind of what we're trying to model is that we should be able to be open about our struggles um, with people because that's when people feel willing to be open about their struggles too and so if you create a forum for that in your local church or, or in small groups or wherever um, then that may s- sort of just kick it off, you know, get the ball rolling and, and maybe then we can start a, a new culture where talking about these things in a healthy way prevents some of these issues from happening or at least from festering. And I think the only thing I'd add, something like that is just mentoring more people mm. into that, you know. Yeah. Like if, 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 if you've been able to, to work out how to break sexual bulimia, then, you know, don't just keep that to yourself. Like, you know, this is... I honestly think it is probably one of the most prevalent issues in our churches that we're just turning a blind eye to. Mm-hmm. So to think like this is only affecting some people in leadership or it's only affecting, you know, mm-hmm. like this minute slice of the pie, I, I honestly think we are pulling the wool over our mm-hmm. eyes. We're talking like 50 to 80% like at, of the data well, points. At, at, at the end of the day, when like, you know, whenever there's that talk about like, like if in a church, you know, you start talking about the fact like, oh, don't go behind that that car with that that other you know girl. 
mm. you, or that other woman or whatever because, you know, it, it just doesn't look right. Mm. Well, you, you're already in that territory of sexualizing mm. the other person. We may not ever build this perfect culture before Jesus comes. Mm. But I, I do look forward to the promise of knowing that in heaven, in, in the new world, in new creation, things like that, you know, th- this won't be an issue. We will be able to look upon each other with equality. Um, but I think until that point, you know, doesn't mean we don't strive for things, even if we think they're unobtainable. But just because it's it's difficult and it may never happen perfectly, doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Hey? No, no, that's yeah. right. That's what that's exactly what we're saying. Yeah, right. yeah. absolutely. I mean, don't go we for do it. that with sin? Yeah, we try to live the most um, sinless life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I think yeah. Just a point of encouragement, like you were saying, Dave. Just ending on you know, just keep keep trying to build this culture. Yeah. And for anybody that is, um, yeah, if you do have any questions around this, you know, we don't profess to have all the answers. Uh, but if you do have any questions that either you'd like us to discuss on the show or you just want to um, r- run something past us as a sounding board or you have questions about our experience, please, by all means, reach out to us on, on social. You know, you, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram or on our website, but we would love to um, have a chat to you guys if you want to. Awesome. So, we'll leave it there. Thank you guys for writing out the episode with us. If you have enjoyed this, statistically, your friends probably will too. So, go go and tell them about this episode. And we hope to see you next week. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so i would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that i'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating and ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast and so if you'd like to help us do that jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards but at different levels there are different benefits different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours if you can't afford that we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.